Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisor Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisor Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter. Our handle is at Coach Bono's Show. Check out the Facebook page to search for Coach Bono's Show. And you can email us at CoachBonosShow at gmail.com. Today is episode 96, and I'm joined today by the legal counsel of the Coach Bono's podcast, the token girl. She has great legs and even greater mind and gave me a weird look when I said 96, thinking because it's 69 backwards, my co-host, Ellen Wigginger. It wasn't even... No, it wasn't even that. I was just like, 96. How have we been doing this? Two years. This long. I mean, it's kind of crazy. It is getting kind of crazy. So, um, yeah, um... But good for you for making that connection with the 69 because well the that, way your eyes look that's where I thought you went. So yeah, you know, no. sometimes, sometimes that's your favorite kind of humor. So and I'm there with you sometimes. Um, I'm an immature uh male juvenile most of the time, but yeah, that wasn't yeah. it. Hey, um start out. I want to say thank you. You're the one to hook us up with with JJ, Jerry Jones, who was in this week. We had a blast on Thursday recording the pod. If you haven't listened yet. We did a big, long, uh, just all wrestling. So if you're a wrestling fan, we did it between all in and all out. We did it before knowing the news that broke the very next day. The CM Punk stuff? CM Punk being fired by AEW. Which even I texted you about. Yes. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about that for one second. We'll do it real quick. One, they fired him for cause which means this is all going to go to lawsuits and all go through discovery. Um, that's which gonna be, means it will all be settled out of court. Yes. For an yes. Punk's, going be, Punk's going to get his money. Yes. Punk's going to get his money, and he's going to be wrestling the WWE by WrestleMania. Yep. And WrestleMania is... It'll, be, it'll be in April. Okay. So I, I suspect that now CM Punk will be one of the main events of WrestleMania next year. And who's... Running WWE is Stephanie running WWE. Oh, Endeavor is running WWE. The creative is run by Triple H. Okay. And um, Vince still has, still has some say, but Vince is technically on leave because he has a health issue. He had a major back surgery, um, and so it's something that like is preventing him from like traveling at all. He, from what I understand, is not having a whole lot of input on things. That's why things pretty look pretty much better right now. Okay. But, um. There's a couple of rumors. There. There's a rumor that Shane McMahon wants to come back. And Triple H told uh, the Endeavor people that if he wants to come back and they want to bring him back, he was more than happy to step away. That he does not want to work with his brother-in-law. Oh, fascinating. Because yeah. I also had the sense that when CM Punk left WWE during my short stint of watching this, it was not on good terms. It was not. And Triple H and uh, CM Punk are not good friends whatsoever. Okay. But there is the idea that business is business. Sure. Triple H lives by that mile and Endeavor is going to spend money where they feel like there's value. Because you got to spend money to make money. And Endeavor is going to pay this guy. Yeah. He's going to get an offer to go and, as they would say in wrestling, go do business for a year. And what I suspect is CM Punk's going to shut his mouth. He's going to get five million bucks, and he's going to go wrestle three or four matches. And he's going to lose all of them. 
And he knows that going in. He's probably going to lose them all. But it's not going to matter because he's going there for the money. So it's like John Cena making a hit on pay-per-view. Yes, like John Cena's back for like two months. He was the pay-per-views past weekend, Saturday night. Okay. And he's going to be on SmackDown for like two months. They're going to have him out for like six weeks. And what that really is, is Roman Reigns is on vacation. They only have a certain number of times they can use Roman Reigns in a year. And so think about it this way. He's off for like six weeks of television. But the NFL is starting, and they put all those commercials on the NFL on Fox that feature right. Roman Reigns. Well, he's not going to be there. Football season's starting, and all those big commercials are coming up. They don't really have a big name. So Endeavor and WWE are paying John Cena money because if they can put him in those commercials for the next six weeks, he'll help them draw the houses and draw viewers, and they'll just go right back to Roman Reigns in six weeks. It's actually kind of brilliant. No, it is. Um, I'm just fascinated at the fact, and of course – John Cena is suffering from the writer's strike. Totally yeah. understand that. Um, He's not, a little hair loss in the back, too. You know, the WWE works around that, but I'm just thinking from the lawyer's standpoint, like, how does any insurance company decide that they can cover John Cena? <laughs> well, that's a big deal for The Rock. It's one of the reasons The Rock is, that's a great point, because it's one of the reasons The Rock doesn't wrestle hardly ever. He hasn't in like five years. Because, okay, so if you remember, there was a thing with at least five years ago when The Rock wrestled John Cena at WrestleMania. Yeah. The Rock got hurt. He tore a muscle in the middle of his in, and he had to miss like six or eight weeks of movie time. Right. So the insurance companies obviously pay for that to the back to the uh, the film studios. Well, the insurance companies have told the film studios they won't underwrite projects with The Rock if he wrestles. Right. So I think that John Cena's there because they're on strike. They don't have to worry about that right now. But that strike is over. I don't think you'll see John Cena wrestling because he'll have to go back to work. And again, insurance companies won't underwrite films if that guy's wrestling. You know, or they're going to have certain things he can and cannot do in their contract. It's a great point because The Rock screwed it up for everybody. Well, and and here's the thing. Most of us acknowledge and understand that wrestling is scripted. Yeah. And but it's the outcome that is scripted and you can't necessarily control what yeah. happens in that ring. Yes. There's an athletic piece to that, that, you know, exactly. So I just, regardless of the strike, I just find it interesting that insurance companies, because he's going to have to be insured would be willing to go ahead and be like, yeah, no, we don't know when any production is going to fire back up. And if yeah. you have to be out for six, eight, 12 weeks, maybe a year for some freak occurrence. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm sure that, that's, that I'm sure that's part of the whole thing they've been planning. They've been planning for this for quite a while. I think it's just the beginning of summer. They've known this was going to happen with John Cena. So I think that's, I think they would do, 
WWE would not have done that without having done the due diligence of going to Cena's sure. people. And Cena's people would have gone to the studios and said, hey, we want to do this. Is that cool with what we've got going? Because it ain't just one film. It's whatever films he's going to appear in and schedule right. appear in for the foreseeable future. It's a, it's definitely a cascade. Yeah, yeah he and... did announce in, a, in an interview this week, he did say that his last match is closer than everybody thinks. Which I think is WrestleMania this year. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. That's... He, well, he he's in that's the thing, is that and I hate to say it like this, but the rock ruined it. When when the rock got hurt that time, now those those film studios are not gonna be, they're not gonna let John Cena go do that if he's gonna get hurt. Because then it takes it takes it means that they have to pay more for the insurance. Sure. Underwritten. And if they if John Cena can't work for even a week. That's a week of everybody is off now. Right, right. And I, I, I guess my only point is, The Rock didn't ruin anything. The studios chose to invest yeah. in these folks. And shit happens because sure. Harrison Ford crashes a plane that he's flying. Yes. You know, I mean, and he twists his ankle and so he can't work on Star Wars, which is something that actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. He took like six weeks off the middle of making one of the Star Wars movies because right. of broken ankle. Yeah. But I mean, if people who are, I don't know, transitioning between wrestling or some other very active, sports scene and acting presuming that's going to continue yeah there is a risk of loss yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens so um yeah but it was so yeah it was funny thank you my official was to thank you for Britt for hooking me and jerry up and <laughs> we had a great time recording I'm so time. Glad. yeah i hope everybody enjoys it. if you're a wrestling fan go back we go into a lot of stuff it's about two hours and we get into everything going on, and then there's the shoe drop the very next day. So I haven't talked to him yet. He did tell me, he did message me that he was not going to AEW All Out, which was Sunday night. Uh, he did not go to it because, again, CM Punk wasn't going to be there. So why spend your money? So. And it should be noted that Jerry is currently in Chicago, which is why I've been able to easily yeah. attend, so yeah. to speak. And we were talking about um, now we did talk to, you know, so now for the next foreseeable future, there will be no talk of all elite wrestling on the podcast. That we're in a moratorium for here for an undisclosed period of time. I don't know how long, but I was not. Happy. You said Hopefully. two years ago that you would take over. It, he Look, he said, he's got to pay me now. He's got to pay. Hey, boy, it's going to cost him. <laughs> that, that guy's like, oh. You know, you give a kid a hundred, you give a, take someone who's his age, you give him a hundred million dollars on a vanity project that involves men and involves wrestling. It's not going to go well. Listen, so, I mean. And men are stupid anyway. They are. And I also feel like it's an allegory for winning time, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. And the bullshit that Ginny Bus had to fight against to just 
get something done because dudes are just whipping their dick around. That's what it sounds like happening there. So let's get into the real sports. So, um, hey, we uh, had an interesting weekend. So we're recording this on Labor Day. Thank you for doing this. And um, we are in the middle of it. Let's get into some of the college football takes in the week. We're going to start off. Uh, I did not attend. I went to the tailgate, but I didn't attend the KU football game. Your Jayhawks looked downright impressive. A uh, little bit of a slow start. Uh, did, well, that first half was scary. Yeah, they uh, but they won. They won, and they won in a big way on Friday night. Um, you know, a lot of it had to do with the quarterback not having uh, Jalen Daniels at quarterback. Instead, starting Bean. Um, Daniels is still a little banged up. He hurt his back. And I guess he hurt his back doing a commercial. And it's been an ongoing issue, evidently, from everything that I understand. The thing that was evidently frustrating to the fan base is that there were some relatively local reports, people on the scene, that insider kind of things, whom felt that JD6 was going to start because he was in warmups, he was doing all the things, and then Justin Bean came out and started, and that was a whole sideline of all that, especially (laughs) when it started up for the second half because Daniels came out for second half, was doing normal warmups. And everyone was like, oh, he's going to come out for the second half because that first half was uh, questionable. They left, they allowed Missouri State to play for whatever reason. And, you know, that's why you have bye games and that's why, uh, you know, you have time to figure things out before bigger things come. But uh yeah i looked at the the depth chart for illinois which is on friday has been released and it's daniels or bean yeah if daniels plays ku has a really good shot at winning the game they're they're a favorite now um i would not bet until i know because i think that i think ku and illinois are very much the same kind of team. Like they're the ascending teams in their conference. Like, yeah. And this will tell us beating Missouri state by 31. Isn't going to tell you if the Jayhawks are good. No. Even Illinois will tell you they're good, that they're worth the, they're worth the hype. Now, yeah. five days ago when that spread was out, Illinois was a two point favorite. I saw KU as a two point favorite the entire starting on Friday. Yeah, I saw from back on Thursday, Illinois is the favorite. Now I'm seeing KU by three. I saw four yesterday. Okay, I had not looked since yesterday afternoon. So, um, again, they're a different team with that different quarterback. Jason Bean is is okay. He's not very accurate. His arm is not in big throws. His arm isn't as accurate. He cannot run the ball. Daniels is a whole different animal. Yeah. And I do understand, go ahead, he's not 100% for that first game, take him out, you go win the game big without him. They need him this week. And he should play this week. And even if he's not 100%, he should play this week. 
I hope so, especially in those sweet black unis that they're trotting out. Have yeah. you seen the reveal for that? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, take a look at the black hockey uniforms. Well, look at them. So, but what I wanted to point out, so the quarterback play was the quarterback play, but a lot of that helps when you got a running back. They got a running back. Devin Neal, 13 carries, 94 yards, 7.2 yards of carry, had a touchdown, 48-yard touchdown. He also caught the ball three times uh, for 25 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. And he didn't play the whole – I mean, he played throughout the game. There were big spaces where they didn't play much at all. Uh, what is it? So I see one, two, three, four, five other backs. Actually, four other backs got uh, carries in this game. So uh, Hinshaw, McDuffie, Beans, it was a quarterback. So three other running backs, Bean gets a couple carries in there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's – that's the, the he's going to be the guy. Well, and it's great, right? He's hometown kid. He's playing in front of people he grew up with, you know, competed against and for, and I think it's fantastic. Leipold has put the work in from his coaching staff. Travis Goff has bought in from an AD perspective. The university is is truly buying in from a financial perspective yeah. across, you know, all the, the athletic endeavors. And um, I'm excited and granted I'm <laughs> being in Denver and having relatively easy access to see you. I'm like, Oh, great. Maybe I'll be able to to catch KU when they're in town. I just hope the ticket prices aren't as high as they're going currently. So I I want KU to actually be a dual threat. Yeah. Well, there I think you're only upside. I think you're only upswing. You know, you, you if you're if you're a good team, you handle that business. The fact they handled it 48 to 13, the game score was now. Uh, the one big, one of 31, so 48 17. Yeah. Um, and then they handled their business. They did it with the backup quarterback. That's what you want. Yeah. You know, you didn't struggle. And the struggle bus was not there. And the running game helps. And that's good that the running game helped them through that first struggle at the beginning of the game. So it helps again. It helps them, Devin Neal, to break you a 48 yard touchdown in the first quarter and just kind of, okay, we had a struggle the first at, first at bat here with the, with the you know, first possession, never throw the ball and wasn't great. Second possession, he breaks a big play for you. That helps. And hopefully this will continue to bring the fans into the booth. Yeah. Uh, did I just call it the booth? Memorial Stadium. Um, and just let the hometown people enjoy some good football instead of the visitors taking over the stadium. Yeah. Well, it's going to be something. And then um, next week they get Illinois. It's on Friday night. So we have two back-to-back Friday night games, which we were talking offline about for a minute. I want to kind of get – I know you're not thrilled with it. I'm not thrilled with it because you get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. You don't have game day taking a look at you and saying, oh, this could be a game that would be interesting. It's yeah. here are highlights from what happened a day ago. Yeah. However, to your point, which you made – which is very good, 
is they get a nationwide fan base. You get the nationwide assuming that they're playing on some nationwide. They are. They're playing on the schedule. The Big okay. Twelve ESPN Plus that they played on last week, right? They are. Let me get this pulled up. If I remember correctly, the Friday night game. I'm gonna do this as well. They're playing. That's the reason you do it. Is that you get that, you get that nationwide broadcast. They're on ESPN two. Okay. On ESPN two so, against Illinois. Um, should be a good game. I mean, I we're going to know a lot about both these teams based on how they play in this game. For KU, come out, run the football, let Jalen Daniels play his game when need be, and. Get out of there with a win. If they get out of there with a win, they're for real. We're going to know if they're real based on how they play this game. If they lose by two or four and they play it tough the whole game, they're still a good team. Don't think because they just because they lose and not a good team. Um, you know, but this is a game that's um, when you look at their schedule. Um, they've got Illinois, then they go to Nevada next week. When you look at that and you go, okay, we got those two games. If we can pick up both of them, which they're capable of doing, for sure, you're in a good spot where you're end of the season. You look at the preseason rankings. Mm-hmm. The biggest games you got BYU after that, who can be beaten. And that game's at KU. BYU is. I watched BYU game Saturday night. They are a big team, and they run the football, but they're not going to score in bunches. And you got Texas, and that's at Texas. Texas is a juggernaut right now. And they were they were ungodly this past week, one huge. But you're supposed now, to we'll, we'll see if they're we'll a juggernaut they against Alabama. They play Bama this week. We'll see how they play when they play Bama. UCF, again, they got that game at home. Again, another one game they should win at Oklahoma State. This is not Oklahoma State that's been real, real good the last few years. This is, we don't know who they are yet. You got a chance there. At Oklahoma, because we don't really know if Oklahoma is as good as that big win they just had, but they're, who knows? I I tend to think that they're not going to be as good in a few weeks. <laughs> Iowa State, Texas Tech, Texas Tech, yeah, Texas Tech just got beat this week. Iowa State, I think to be down from what they've been the last couple of years. You do have K State coming to KU. That'll be big. Um, K State was impressive. Game one, I mean, they were. and. And then at Cincinnati. So you've got a chance. That's why these next two games are so important. If you take Illinois and Nevada, and then if you can beat BYU, you're and you're sitting at four and oh going into Texas. Win or lose at Texas, you've got a real good shot at being an eight-win team when it's all said and done. And really, that's the number you really need to look for. Seven, seven wins is gonna get you in a bowl, eight is gonna get you into a better bowl. And if you can get above eight, if you can get to nine somehow in this schedule, that's going to be tough. But if you can get to nine, that's incredible. Eight's the number. And they need the next two. They really need the next three, but they need the next two. I think that's an excellent point. And it's so much different from 2008, 2009, when we had the Orange Bowl run. Because there are so many new members to the league. We've KU hasn't had the chance to play against BYU, Cincinnati, UCF in the past. And so this is you can watch as much tape as you want to, but I have to imagine 
those first interactions are going to be yeah. interesting. Well, what KU has going for them, in my view, is they got a running game. That's big. It's because when all else fails, if you can run the football, you can stay in any game because you can shorten games. Sure. And have a dynamic quarterback. Again, he didn't play this past week, but that was, I think, more having to do with, okay, let's just not get him hit and let's play him next week. Um, Jalen Daniels can be good enough to get you a win in a game that's tight against a good team. Yeah. And so that's where I go, well, yeah, I'll take them. So I like what I see. I like what I saw week one. I'll really know more about them next week. So I'm talking about your team. We Do we really want to talk about LSU? <laughs> a disaster. An absolute disaster. I have literally watched LSU my whole life. And I cannot remember a game where LSU looked as unprepared as they did against Florida State this week. Wow. I, I mean, you got to go back to Jerry DiNardo. I mean, we're going before Nick Saban. I mean, we're talking – Ed Ogeron never had Ed Ogeron lost a couple of games he shouldn't have lost, but they were never that unprepared. Okay. Les Miles' teams were never that unprepared. Nick Saban's teams were never ever that unprepared. Um LSU got hit in the mouth by Florida State. Florida State's a good team. First, first off, Florida State's a better team. Far and away. Two. I don't know what the offensive idea the LSU came out in. They couldn't run the ball. And they appear to have a problem with, and this is a little, little nerdy, they have a problem when there was two high safeties. What Florida State did really well, and they kind of showed it in the broadcast, especially in the second half, the two safeties at the top of the screen. Yeah. You see them and one was coming, but you don't know if he was, he wasn't coming at the quarterback. He was, they were basically playing it with two deeps, but it wasn't. So they were both hand. trying to rob. Um, it wasn't that they were trying to. So instead of usually have two deep safeties, they split the field in half. Mm-hmm. What they instead did was played really eight players. Well, they played seven at the line of scrimmage, and they played two to go t- t- uh, ten yards, and then you had the first safety had the next ten. And then the other safety was sitting there like, okay, you're not going to throw a bomb on us. Now, the one big play LSU hit early in the game took advantage of that because that safety came, bit on a run play, or bit on the run fade, and they were able to get the big play. Um, that was the um, – let me get it here. It was what else was touched on It was a big play to set up one of the touchdowns. I'm sorry, I wasn't looking for it. They had like a 49-yard deep pass that set up the uh, first touchdown. But that one, again, was because they got able to get someone behind that first safety, the second safety who got him down to the ground and saved him for a touchdown. Florida State had a great defensive play. They were also able to put pressure on the offensive line, which is four guys. It looked like Florida State was blitzing every play, but they weren't. It was just the front four was kicking the shit out of LSU's front five. Yeah. I can't remember a time where LSU's five-man offensive line 
was getting beat by four. I mean, even Alabama in these last few years with their great defensive lines mm-hmm. still brought a fifth and sixth guy sometimes. And that's where they would get pressure in those games. But no one was beating them with four. And Florida State was beating them consistently with four over and over and over again. And I don't know any team that can overcome getting beat at the line of scrimmage. I know that people will say that, you know, the idea of trying to run the ball and um, and eat up clock is kind of an outdated thing, and everybody wants to throw the ball to different parts of the field. But you can only do that when your quarterback is upright and he's in the pocket. Right, right. And Jake Daniels wasn't he's on his ass, you're not going to do anything. Yeah, And because of that, they couldn't get plays. They couldn't get anything. Uh, Jaden Daniels threw for, let me get the stats here, 22 of 37, which is horrible. 347, he had an interception and a a touchdown. Uh, That touchdown was the last touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, It was a 75-yard they hit at the end of the game. I mean, literally with a minute to go. Um, You take that out. Jalen Daniels throws 75 for 270. You know, on 37 attempts. That's horrible. I mean, even in the opening of the game, because I watched first half into the second, don't really recall much of the second because I think I was napping, but I posted on Twitter. I was like, that first LSU drive was questionable because of Daniel's decisions. Yeah, they weren't good. I agree. He didn't play well at all. And I was, like I said, I thought it was the most ill-prepared I'd ever seen an LSU team. And I think Brian Kelly should be ashamed. I think his, his staff should yeah, be ashamed. He was, based and, on. Yeah, I saw the little press at the end. I mean, he said they're not the team we thought they were. Look, that's on him. I mean, that's that's coaching. He got out-coached. Mike Norvell had a better plan. And what bothered me about Brian Kelly and my brother Barry, you know, my brother Barry, yeah. he warned me this would happen. He did. Because I've always thought that Brian Kelly, I thought, was a great coach Notre Dame. I thought, and I still think he's the best coach in Notre Dame history. I do. My brother Barry warned me, and what he told me, you know, and I, at the time, I kind of was like, well, I have to look at that. He said, what Brian Kelly does really poorly is he does not adjust his offenses. Interesting. Okay. And that, and he says, I don't know how that's going to go at LSU. Maybe he'll be different or better athletes at LSU. But he's not good. They're not good at adjusting. They weren't really last year. Um, this was a game where they were running the same stuff in the second half. You're going to have to make some adjustments. And, and really, you know you're going to do it in advance. I mean, this is how an offensive play caller goes. I know what my possible adjustments are going to be long before we get on the field. We're talking about that at practice all week long. Hey, if they're going to do this, then we're going to be ready to do this. And then when they adjust to that, we're going to adjust their back or to something else. And, and um, that was, to me, an indictment of Brian Kelly and his staff. They were not prepared. This was week one. And they weren't prepared. This is a team that is hyped to be, I mean, again, they're number five preseason in the country. Right. They're a popular pick for the college football playoff. I picked them in the college football playoff. Um, people who are really high on this, they're really high on Jaden Daniels, but he's the second favorite to the Heisman going into the week one. He's not anymore, but um, horrible, 
horrible uh, game. So my Tigers let me down. We'll see what happens week two. You know, if you're LSU, it doesn't get a whole lot easier. You, you do have Grambling this week. So you better, they better dip the shit out. I mean, they better be Grambling at 60. And I will just note for those folks that don't know, Bo's brother Barry is a diehard Notre Dame fan. Notre Dame guy. He's a Notre Dame guy. Yeah. And so that's where his commentary was coming from. Yeah. Which I find astute and interesting. Yeah. Barry knew. I mean, he like I said he and he doesn't watch a lot of I mean, he you and I were just talking about this a couple weeks ago. He said, I don't watch a lot of stuff outside Notre Dame because that's his yeah. team and he doesn't have time. And he said, But here's what here's why I don't like Brian Kelly. And I always told him how much I like Brian Kelly. But oh man, he's got some work to do. They got Grambling, then they're at Mississippi State, and that's an early game. LSU Trish does not play well on the road in those games, Mississippi State, and they don't play well early in the day. Okay. And then you got Arkansas and Ole Miss back to back. And Ole Miss just put up 60 on somebody this past week. So it'll be interesting. I don't know. I'm I'm a little worried right now. We'll see what happens. I might feel better if they get in there and beat. I mean, they're gonna beat Grambling, but they need to put up a big effort in Mississippi State in two weeks. Here's my thing: buy games always suck. They throw up flares, good or bad. So just take a breath. Or, well, let's talk about what we saw that was good this week in college football. And I saw four teams that I was super impressed with. Now, I'm going to, when I say this, I'm not going to mention some teams. I'm not going to mention Alabama. And I'm not going to mention um, a few teams that just, they just did do what you're supposed to do. You kick the shit out of your opponent and you beat them up real bad. Um, but teams that took on either a good opponent or a decent opponent and, were, and played well. The first team, I think everyone's talking about this. This is the story in college football, right? <laughs> and it's Colorado, Coach Prime, 20-point underdogs go to TCU, the defending. They were just in the national championship game. Yep. The game they shouldn't have been in in the first place, but they got there. And they got killed in that game. But to their credit, again, they had a great season last year. Yeah. Like this year, no Max Duggan or Dugan. And they lose that game at home 45 42. I watched every second of this game, and it was an incredible game. I did too. And I, (laughs) to our dear sponsors at DraftKings, there was a no sweat bet uh, for the opening weekend of college football Mm -hmm. up to 10 bucks. And I put my 10 bucks on CU. Did the points or the money line? Took the money line. Did you? So what did that pay you off? 90 bucks. Nice. You got an eight to one? 800 plus Yes. And so these are the things that I, it was funny watching game day, watching all the roll up, being in the area, you see a bunch of different things trying to figure out how a coach, which is a brand, can create or build a football team. And right now that's what CU is betting on. But on Saturday, they fucking delivered. 
And it was so much fun watching a game that you were like, cool, there's going to be a couple of defensive shutouts, which both teams delivered. And CU delivered early on, which made it just that much more interesting. And then getting into the th- late into the third, fourth quarter, you were just like, all right, whoever scores last is going to win this game. And there is something just so incredibly energizing about games like that that I really loved watching. So uh, I didn't realize this until I was talking to someone last night. So I watched the game too. And, um, you know, the big knock on Coach Prime was he flipped the whole damn team over. It was like 95% of the roster. It's a ridiculous number. It was 80 plus people that left. Yeah. Yes. So, um, and he flipped a lot of the roster he in the spring, in the spring, and then he flipped a whole bunch more after the spring game. He didn't like what he yep. saw there. Um, but his Shadir Sanders, his son, passed for 500 plus yards. He had a fucking just an amazing game from seeing the field. Mm-hmm. And being able to deliver targets all the time, even if things were missed, because they were a little bit long, a little short, they were at the spot that he thought they should have been. And that was a lot of fun because you think of Deion Sanders as a receiver or DB or safety or something like that. Like, I don't know. It, to me, it was just, it was interesting to see that very offensive style of football coming from the Sanders family, which yeah. he, he has two boys on the team, yeah. one of which who plays, I believe, as a DB, um, which is also fascinating. Well, you know, with, with Prime, he's, you know, when you look at his player, he was this flashy corner. He was one yes. of the fast, you know, punt returner, kick returner, ended up playing a little wide receiver when he was the Cowboys. Um he has that player on his team now. Travis Hunter is that player. Travis Hunter is Deion Sanders. Oh my God. But he plays both sides of the field. Oh, the whole game. The fucking game. Yeah. He took Tra- over 100 snaps. Yeah. And Travis Hunter had 11 receptions for 119 yards. He did not score a touchdown, but he also had an interception that saved the game. He did. An unbelievable play. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I saw it on Twitter last night. Um, there is a viral video of somebody from the um from the from the TCU at the sideline but in the stands right by the end zone who right before the snap says throw it at Hunter throw it to Hunter's side because they were trying to say that he was that he wasn't going to get it and then right. Hunter heard him they throw it to that side Hunter makes the interception and I don't I can't I can't make it out if he says something to the guy but he he looked up at him it was like, yeah, you should throw over here to me. Unbelievable. If he can continue to have 100-yard receiving games and can play that electric on defense, and he's elite. I mean, he was the number one recruit in the country two years ago. It is now, this, it, oh, this was not a strange situation. It was wild because Nicholas, my son, woke up around 11.30 on Saturday, strolled up, sat down, as I was watching the CU game and Travis Henry happened to be in focus, he goes, yeah, 
that's number one recruit, and he's a fucking badass. Yeah, he went to Jackson State with Dion last year. And, yeah, he's going to be an NFL player. He's going to be a high, high pick. Uh, he might have a legit shot at getting the high school. 100%. He's gonna have, if he plays like this, going to – now, the other thing I want to mention, I'm going to mention a player real quick because this player was incredible. Um, he only had a couple of kids, six carries. I just want to shout him out because I've seen this kid play in person a couple of times. Um, Dylan Edwards, who's a running back, who um, Dylan Edwards um, is from Derby, Kansas. Nice. Derby. Now, we saw Dylan Edwards. He's a freshman right now. Um I saw Dylan Edwards as a freshman and a sophomore. Okay, in high in school. High school. I called three Derby games uh, back in 2020. Uh, 2020 when we were, Tyler Jones and I were doing the games, and we had Derby three times. And the big game I remember, he like, saw me at St. Thomas Aquinas. He played incredible in that game. Outplayed the entire team, and they had lost the game early in the season. They don't usually don't lose a lot. Mm-hmm. And they lost the game early that year. And he was incredible against St. Thomas Quiz, carried them to a big win. Is there, are they 6A or 5A? They're 6A team. They're, they, they have been state champions numerous times. They are the powerhouse um, in Kansas. They're the best program in Kansas. Yep. They just went over and over and over again. Um, that year, their quarterback was real well thought of. He ended up going to K-State. Um, he was a junior at the time. He's now at K-State. Mm-hmm. Then we saw um, they played Free State. And the Free in State. Lawrence. Yes, in Lawrence. We were at that game. We actually watched, we covered that game on UClick. Derby beat Free State in that game, but it was the only game where Edwards didn't score a touchdown. Um, he had like 98 yards rushing in that game. And he was really great. He just got to be tackled before he ends it. Um, right. But great player. Then we saw them in the playoff. Now, in the playoff, they got to play Lawrence High. It was the semifinals. It was round of eight. Okay. And that was a big game because this was the game that everyone thought this was the year Lawrence High was going to beat them. Because Lawrence High and Free State, it used to be Free State and Lawrence High got moved into that region as well. Could never get past Derby. That's a big okay. deal beating Derby in the playoff. Free State couldn't do it for like five years in a row. And this particular year, Lawrence High had to play instead of Dirt, instead of Free State in the playoff. And that was Devin Neal's year. That was Devin Neal's big year at, at, at Lawrence High. He had a huge season. And Dirt, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, you got what you got Devin Neal on one side. I can't think of the quarterback's name at Derby, who was really well thought of. And we were watching that game, and I could not take my eyes off of Dylan Evans. Wow. And he was, I think maybe he was a sophomore at the time. And he just run after run after run. He ran for something like 280 in that game. Oh shit. Totally outplayed Devin Neal in that game. They won big. They won going away in the fourth quarter by like three touchdowns late because they kept scoring late. Yep. Um, he's caught on at Colorado. He's gonna be a player. The guy's really quite good. Uh he he might have been the best player that ever came out of that school. Um, hmm. But he was incredible. The other thing I noticed in Colorado's offense, um, they broke a big. And I got to pull this up. I'm in here. I'm going to play by play. They had a touchdown, and I got to find the scoring plays here. Um, let me get it here. 
it might have been the 75-yarder. Yes, the 75-yarder. Uh, it was Dylan Edwards. It was Dylan Edwards. Okay, so Dylan Edwards catches a screen pass. And you know, in college, a good screen pass, really in pros too, you got to follow the blockers. It isn't just about getting right. up there. A lot of times young backs get the ball and they just, they're fast and they go and they end up getting caught, you know, five, six, eight yards down the field because they don't get between the back, between the right. blockers. Dylan Edwards got three blockers. He gets behind two, and he's going to go off, and he has a chance. A lot of guys would have just looped around the third one to the inside. The, the inside Is this the, the one along the left side Yes, line? he kicked it. Yes. Yep. So he's going to, instead of, he's just going to try to, he, it's two guys. He, he's coming back to him that way. So he comes back to the ball. Two guys got their blocks. The third one looks like he's going to miss his block. Yeah. A lot of times young players will just go because this player is going to miss it. The best chance I've got is to beat the guy to the point and then I'll get away. Instead, Dylan Edwards waited. He slowed down for half a step. The tackle made the block and he was gone. Gone. And everyone was like, oh, is he going to step out? And he He danced the line perfectly. All the way down. And it was a great, incredible play. I'm watching it. I can see it right here. Here's the game. Here it is. That was the last touchdown of the game. Yeah. No, this is the one in the the second half. This was, you're thinking of a different one. This was not, this was the 75 yard that he caught in the third quarter. Oh, I'm thinking of that. The one he caught that won the game was just a swing. It was just, um, it was like a I mean, it was just like, it was Spider 3 by Banana. I mean, it it was out, gone. Um, Stanford used to run out with Aaron, with Andrew Luck all the time. It was a great play. Yeah. We, ran that, we ran out of Veritas. Um, but yeah, it's it, that screen pass, it was the thing about it was that he was patient with the run. That's the important part. A good back lets it get in, develop front, of in front of him. Yeah, and he let it develop in front of him all the way. But what it also tells me, if that tells me that Prime is concerned with the details. They were running screen passes, and when they did, it was so well blocked. They're not just relying on athleticism. And anybody, that's the mistake people are going to make. They're going to think, well, he just has a bunch of athletes. No, he's got football players. There's a difference. He's got athletic guys, but he's got football players. And they're going to beat the shit out of some teams. They're going to beat the hell out of Nebraska. Frankly, it's uh, Boulder's going to be a shit show for the next couple of weekends. Yeah. Not planning on going up there. I need to text my nephew and see if he's going to even venture into the games. Nebraska travels like no other team that I know of. Um, So that's going to be wild. And then the weekend after that is Southern Cal. No, they got, they got a couple games. They've got Nebraska. Two games? Then Colorado State. Then Oregon. Okay. The Oregon game will be good. And then USC. But still, like, yeah. especially if all of a sudden they start stamping a run mm-hmm. to a Pac-12 regular season title for the last season in which the Pac-12 exists. Mm-hmm. 
is going to be hilarious. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to tell you. And you mentioned the Pac-12. You know, the Pac-12 is all breaking up and everything. Um, I'm going to say this is going to sound like controversial. Pac-12's got some football teams in it right now. Oh it my might God. be the best it, football conference. It might be right up there with the SEC right now. This just for this season, if you look at, I mean, USC is USC. Their defense probably played this past week. They're not playing week one. Um, <laughs> you've got Washington. You've got Washington, Washington, and I'm going to talk about Washington next. That was the other team I was very impressed with. Um, Oregon is good. Washington is good. Um, Oregon State is going to be good. Uh, I watched them last night. They were good in their game. Very straight men. And and then here comes Colorado. It's like, wait a minute. There might be five legit top ten quality teams that they won't all be there because they got to all play each other. Now, Colorado does not play Washington. I'm looking at their schedule now. They do play Oregon and USC back-to-back. They're at Oregon and then at home against USC. Um, Arizona State, Stanford at UCLA. UCLA did not look good in their game. Oregon State, which was a really solid-looking team. They played a really good game against San Jose State. Colorado ends their season at Utah, who the two next teams I'm going to talk about that I was over-impressed with were Washington and Utah. Okay. Um, it was pretty amazing. Okay, the other two Pac ten, uh, Pac ten. What was the Pac ten? Pac twelve. <laughs> teams. What uh, was, was the Pac twelve? Hey, now the Pac two. Um, the other two I was really impressed with. Uh, Utah uh, was really impressive on Thursday night. Uh, most of their defense, their deep eights get after. They're going to be a hard out for anyone who has to go play them at Utah. Okay. Um, and, like, going back to Colorado, Colorado plays at Utah the last game of the season. Oh, well, both will be at altitude, though, so yeah. that'll be so they're both used. To, they'll be both be used to that. But, yeah, you go up there and have to play Utah at Utah. You know, a couple of years ago, I think it was you. They gave USC the, a big game where, like, USC was, like, on the verge of, Going to getting back, getting back to college football playoff. Oregon was up there with them. Um, Oregon had lost the game early in the year to Georgia at mm-hmm. week one, and it was played was undefeated coming back. It had been played Utah at Utah, and Utah kicked their ass. They're going to do the teams again this year. They're going to be a juggernaut. They do have uh, USC at USC. That's mid uh, mid November. Okay, mid October. And then they have Oregon coming to them the last week of October. And then Washington is at Washington, uh, which is the other team I'm going to talk about. Washington is, oh, my God, good. Washington, okay. Washington is a college football playoff team. They are the team that could knock USC off and go to the college football playoff. So I did not watch any of Washington's game this week. So can you okay? Talk so Washington played Boise. That? Washington played Boise at, at home and rolled 56-19. Um, that game wasn't as close to 56-19. I mean, it was it was a total domination in every which way, offensively and defensively. And as good as USC has Caleb Williams, a quarterback. 
Uh, this kid, Michael Penix Jr., he might steal the Heisman from him. He is okay. now the Vegas number two bet for the Heisman after his big game this week. Let me get the numbers. All right. Uh, was fantastic against Boise. And this, they were the team other than Colorado. Now, Colorado had an impressive performance, and everyone's talking about them. The best performance I saw was Washington. Okay. Both, both sides of the game, of the, of the ball. Uh, Michael Pettis Jr. threw for five touchdowns in that game. Uh, let me get the full stats here. Um, 29 of 40, 450, five touchdowns. Um, he is now the second in betting for the Heisman. Caleb Williams is still one. And Caleb Williams is phenomenal. He's a better player. Caleb Williams will be going to pick in the draft. Um, the thing that's going to hurt Penix as far as the next level, he's left-handed. That people don't like left-handed quarterbacks. Just ask to attack a while Um, But when I look at Michael Pitts and a squint, I just not look at the uniform. He looks like Steve Young. Hmm. He interesting. All he looks like Steve Young. Um, he has a throwing motion like Michael Vick. But he is not the athlete Michael Vick was. Michael Vick was a ridiculous athlete. So uh, there's no out-of-the-pocket scrambling. Well, he can scramble, but not not to the level that Michael Vick was. I mean, he's not going to turn on a 4-2-40 burn. Um, but Michael Penix is a really great athlete. should be an NFL quarterback. will probably be a high pick. Um, he's got a chance. They keep winning. And he'll have to go head-to-head with USC. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um when they go head to head, he might steal the Heisman Trophy from Caleb Williams. Uh, I was super, super impressed. The, the one player that jumped off the page at me this weekend was him, Michael Page. And that team overall is well coached. They played both sides of the ball very well. Uh, granted, it was Boise, and Boise's not. This is not Boise that beat Oklahoma. This is not Boise that was a perennial thorn in the side of, of top teams. But they're still a good for a good school, a good football program. And I'm got my eyes on Colorado. Obviously we'll see what happens there. Washington and Utah, the two teams that could screw up the whole college football playoff for people. Okay. So what, what helps Washington and will help Utah is their defenses. USC's defense Week one, we saw it, saw it all last season. They get in those shootouts, and they give up touchdowns like they shouldn't give up. And so when you play a good team, a good team's going to battle with you. It's going to be about who can stop somebody once or twice. And Washington could do that. Washington could get a three and out on USC. I'm well, not I mean, USC that, that was the thing with CU on yeah. Saturday. They yeah. got a couple of three and outs. And we're able to stop TCU, yeah. get up before TCU ever took the lead. Yeah, they could never take that two-score lead. That's so yep. The two-score lead is so big in college football. Once you get to 10, you get to 13, the games are pretty much over. But you get to 10, and you get the ball back, and you have a chance to make it a 13 or a 17-point lead. If you looked at LSU game, LSU and um, Florida State Cup nights last night, same thing. When LSU got down, 
24-17. I'm watching it with Peyton at the end. I watched it with Peyton in the second half, and I went, if they score again, this game's over because they, they can't come back. You're just no, – no one's built to come back like that. Not right. And so, yeah, I, that's where I see the – that that's going to be an addition. That's going to be really, really something to watch the next few weeks going forward. And we're going to know more about teams next week when we start seeing a few conference games and a few of the um, – a few teams just playing more competitive non-con games. Real games. Yeah, real – I mean, some teams did not play real games this week. I mean, for instance, let me get it up here. I mean, it's not just directional schools and buy games, yeah. right? Which I mean, are well, – I mean, Yeah, I mean, it's things like, you know um, – Where's the Alabama score? Alabama wins big in their game. Oklahoma, Oklahoma they, played, you know, Middle Tennessee State. And they scored 81 points, right? I uh, mean Oklahoma scored. Let's see, wait. Okay, wait. Alabama scored 56 against Middle Tennessee. Um Oklahoma scored 81, I believe. Uh Oregon scored 81 against Portland. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Oklahoma scored 73 against Arkansas State. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's stupid shit. But that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. That tells me that at least they're on track. I mean, it, you know, um, the one that I looked at and went, huh, was Michigan only beating East Carolina 30 to 3? Like, great defensive performance. You'll have them three points. But Michigan was with 30 in that game and no Jim Harbaugh. Oh, they protested. <laughs> you see what they did? Yeah, the first offensive play, they all put the fours up because that was Jamal's, his number, lined up in a line and then motioned out to the formation. Yeah. I, the other one I got my eye on, this little greedy is Tulane. You know, I wanted to see their, their, their rank preseason 24. Uh, big game at home against South Alabama. I don't know if you heard of the hype before this game. So South Alabama last year, they won eight games last year. They were good. Okay. And South Alabama's in Mobile. And you, you've been down there. You lived down there for a little bit yeah. in Alabama. You know, Mobile claims that they are the home of Mardi Gras. That was where the original Mardi Gras, and as far as in America, was done. The whole and, moon pie and, thing. What's that? The whole moon pie thing. Yeah. So they, they claimed Mardi Gras. And then, of course, they said New Orleans stole it. And... So for the game, South Alabama put a sticker on their helmet. They wanted to call it the Battle for Mardi Gras. That battle didn't last long. Tulane oh. came out and just drummed them. Uh, Tulane won 37-17. Uh, that last touchdown, South Alabama score was late. But uh, Michael Pratt, quarterback for Tulane, who this is the team that beat USC in the um, bowl game last year. In, the, in Jerry's Dome that beat that USC team with Caleb Williams. Uh, lost their big running back. He's in the NFL. He's the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Ty J. Spears. Returning quarterback, Michael Pratt. Uh, 294, four touchdowns. Nice. He played just fine. He, he was conference player of the year. He'll be conference player of the year again. I mean, it, um, he may be playing his way into the NFL. Maybe good for a, him. He'll be a backup somewhere. He'd be a good little backup. He, he clipboard money is still good money. Clipboard money is excellent. I money. love clipboard money. The guys <laughs> clipboard money. That's my heroes. Because you know what? They don't have all the scars. I mean, unless you can get Patrick Mahomes money, you know, like clipboard money will be just fine. 
So true. All right. Hey, we're gonna move on from the actual on the field stuff to the off the field stuff, which we like to talk about. Re uh well, all the we have all these teams moving around, schools moving around. We've seen all the realignment, man. And now we've got the thing I didn't think was gonna happen happened. The ACC welcomes in SMU, Cal, and Stanford. Yep. I read a little more about this. And what I was surprised about was SMU is basically doing this for nobody. Uh, all three teams are getting lesser shares of the additional TV money that ESPN will be ponying up as part of this. Uh, they all agreed, three again, they agreed on lower shares. Cal and Stanford just need a place to go. This is yeah. the conference of the main conferences, the four that are the power four that are left. We take them. They add SMU because they say, well, we can add it. It's a big market. You know, like thinking that. Um, was it you that talked about the SMU sign again? Yes, on game day on oh, Saturday. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell us about that again. So. That uh, the sign said to the effect of SMU was doing this before it was legal, meaning paying players. Um, most folks will know that SMU had the death penalty for their, I believe it was just their football program. Um, so they had gotten busted for boosters playing payers and SMU had a hell of a run in the eighties. Uh, and then they were shut down and eventually came back and now they're at least for this year, I believe it's the AAC that they're in. They're in the Atlantic. Atlantic Conference, yeah, the AAC, um, which had been parsed apart with uh, Houston leaving, and I believe also Cincinnati was part of the AAC. Um, Not sure UCF was, but uh, with them joining the Big 12 this season, they were probably the last big market team to the last big market small name team to actually go somewhere so it makes sense given that they can cover dallas fort worth and that whole metroplex as far as media contracts go um big alumni base for SMU. yeah i mean that's, that's what you want that's what they're looking for everybody's looking for the money yep and you know they got it i mean for people who aren't aware of the SMU like football scandal from the 80s where they got the death penalty, they put this comeback and they built, built a pretty good program. Um, it's a good 30 for 30. Yeah, I was going to say Pony Excess. Pony Excess is what it's called. 30 for 30. Go to ESPN.com. Get in there if you got to log in and do it. Uh, it's a good 30 for 30. The story of Eric Dickerson getting the, uh, the Trans Am and, and all that, yeah, it's – he finally has owned up to the Trans Am thing. That was – it was actually a Texas A&M administrator gave it to him. Hey. Uh, he, he, he wouldn't admit it for years. Even like a year or two ago, he was still wouldn't admit it. It's still wild to me that all these university adjuncts or representatives are just like, oh, we're amateurs. We don't, we've never accepted money outside of what we've gotten for our programs. Uh, it's been bullshit for a very long time. And I continue to applaud NIL for doing what it does. So we got the the additions to the ACC. We'll see how that shakes out in the next couple of years. So 
until there's a change to the college football playoff, which we know that we'll go to 12 teams after that. We don't know when they'll start. Um, there's an extension that ESPN's getting with them for a couple of years. And then from there, the bidding war will start. And by that time, all the conferences will have settled down in their four conferences. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the ACC shakes out. You know, they've added these three, but there's still schools that want out. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, does Florida State still push to leave? I mean, I, I, I think there's a group of them. They, that group didn't stay together to block these three coming in, though. There were three that voted against them. Yes. So and that Florida was State, North Carolina, Clemson. Yes, they were the three that voted against. Now, they are the three of the – there's a group of seven that would like to leave. So it's those three. It's those three, Miami. Okay. Let me get the list. I got a list for you. Hang on here. Sorry, I wasn't meaning to drop that surprise. Oh, you're, you're good. No, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, the ACC schools that are looking to leave, um, supposedly, there's a group of seven. It is um, Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, Miami. Um, if given the opportunity, my understanding is that Louisville would like to go. Um, uh, Pittsburgh would be willing to go somewhere okay. else. Um, and Boston College. Also, okay. Virginia would consider it. Virginia, Virginia, they think it ended up in the Big Ten. Um, I can tell you where all the I. I think I, I know where they all end up too. Yeah, I got a map in my brain. I think that we'll see. If they're the same. What do you got? Um. So I think Virginia and Pitt could definitely land in the Big Ten. Pitt could also drop down Big 12, assuming that West Virginia remains. Um, Clemson, North Carolina, and Duke. Although those, that's a nebulous that I don't understand. Miami would go to the SEC. Florida State would go to the SEC. It's those three because I'm not sure what conference would be willing to pick up Clemson, North Carolina, and Duke and not have them as an out-of-conference rival. Yeah. So my Could they go independent? Would it make sense? Clemson may. Being independent makes no sense moving forward. Okay. That's when Notre Dame's going to have to come and figure something out sooner than later. Yep. Um, I think what ends up happening, if they do split it, Louisville, um, what is it, it was Louisville, Pitt. Louisville, Pittsburgh, and Virginia could definitely go Big Ten, no problem. Yeah. Well, I think Louisville and Pitt end up in the Big 12. Um, Pitt's rivalry with Fearless Virginia. Louisville is – see, I think Louisville is, is Cincinnati. And they're the same kind of program so in, yep. all, in all categories. Um, the SEC will take their pick of four. Yep. They want Miami. They want Florida State. Yep. I think they would love to have North Carolina. I think they'd like to have Clemson for football and for the sake of football alone. But, but- – Georgia would be so pissed. Georgia and South Carolina will throw a fit 
if Clemson is brought into the SEC. Now, you would think that South Carolina with their in-state rival in there, they don't. South Carolina people hate Clemson. Yes. They hate everything about Clemson. They do not want even they, – they, they hate this whole thing. And they want to keep Clemson out of the SEC. Now, why Georgia doesn't like it, it's the same reason. It's not an in-state deal. But Georgia – Athens, Georgia is two hours from Clemson, South Carolina. Yeah. And there's too much local recruiting issues. That goes back to, like, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, <laughs> he, was, he was with Gainesville, Georgia, which is, like, 30 minutes from Athens, and he ends up at Clemson. And that was the one where, like, Georgia was like, okay, we're done with this Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. And so Georgia and South Carolina will try to stop Clemson from getting in. Um, but I think if they want in, Florida State's in, Miami's in. I think North Carolina's third. And I think they e- they don't take Clemson. They either try for Virginia or they ask no- uh, North Carolina which other school they want to bring with them, whether it's oh. NC State or Duke. Okay. Hey, we didn't even talk about NC State, so yeah. Well, I don't think NC State's one of those popular things. I mean, I think NC State might end up being, or, the, and we haven't talked about Georgia Tech either. Yeah, and the same thing with Georgia Tech because there's not a lot those two schools bring to you. They're going to end up if the ACC implodes. The NC State, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, um, uh, who was the other one I was looking at, and maybe Boston College. Yeah, they end up being the Oregon State, Washington State, this thing. I mean, the only caveat that I guess I would throw is if they want more of that Atlanta market share mm-hmm. for Georgia's tech. Well, here's the thing: is that Georgia is the school of Georgia, and then Atlanta is completely different. People kind of think because Georgia Tech is in Atlanta, that's Atlanta's school. For professionals that live in Atlanta, Atlanta is like this hub of the South where it's like every fan base is there. Yes. Everything from the Mississippi schools, the the, the Alabama schools, Florida schools, you know, like um, even LSU people end up in Atlanta. Um, you might see the same thing with, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee because it's yeah. a monster, monster city in the middle. It's just, it's so big. And and even Denver being a hub for the Midwest yeah. outside of Chicago, right? Yeah. Like there's there's not a Atlanta does not have an Atlanta personality when it comes to sports. Correct. Like the Falcons aren't really that popular. The the, the, the Braves the are popular when they win. The Hawks aren't that popular. The Braves are popular when they win. But if they're not winning, winning, they're not that big. And they're outside the city. And it's yeah. Now they're, yeah. And that's a whole different thing. It's yeah. Yeah, Atlanta's personality, sports-wise, is Georgia, the Bulldogs. Yeah. And then it's everyone else who's transplanted there, which is really unique. I would say Tech would be second and then everyone else, just because Tech is there. But there isn't just as many Auburn and Alabama people in Atlanta. Auburn is extremely close to there. Well, that's because it's just like – what an hour and a half? Yeah, it's an hour, it's like an hour, hour and a half to Atlanta. Atlanta, yeah. So I mean, it's not far at all. That's where it's a little different. People kind of think that that's so weird. Like you're not grabbing the Atlanta market 
by grabbing Georgia Tech, if you were, you know, the Big Ten, you're going to get their sliver of that city. Yeah. Georgia is in. That's, you know, it, it might as well be that Georgia's the only state school there with regard to sports. Fair. You know, and so that's a little different thing. Um, but yeah, so the realignment, again, we won't see anything else now for a little while. I didn't think we were going to see it. I thought the three teams that voted against it were going to get one more to vote with them. It, it tells me that those, those seven schools that were talking don't really have a good plan. It tells me they don't have a legal fight to get out of their contract. I mean, let's be honest. The fact that FSU leaked that they were talking to J.P. Morgan to somehow yeah. finance their way out of a contract, which doesn't end till 2036, 37. It's like another dozen years. Yeah, They're fucked. Yeah. They're going to have to figure out something. I'm not. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So that's where we are college sports this week. Uh, last thing we're going to jump in is Major League Baseball. We're going to talk to just for a minute here. You and I haven't talked baseball about a month. So in the time, I was talking about the two, the Sleeping Giant. Sleeping Giant was back. That's the Dodgers. And, boy, the Dodgers ran into it this weekend. Good. A four-game series. The Atlanta Braves came in and whooped them. Three out of four. Um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The Braves just cleaned their clock. Uh, Braves the best record in all of baseball and are a juggernaut of their own right now. Uh, we are about a month away. we got about a month. We have a month of games left. So well, we're at 136. Get about 30, got like 25 to 30 games left. Yeah. The Braves are at 90 wins already. They'll get to 100. We know they'll get to 100. Uh, the Dodgers might get close to 100. Baltimore and the American League will get there in a moment. But um, the Braves now have become that juggernaut. And I was watching a number of their games last couple of weeks. And I watched the Dodgers a lot. Couple things I've noticed. You know, the Dodgers got hot and they had like a nine game win streak before mm-hmm. the Braves came to town. I think they'd actually won. It was nine at one point. They'd won like 12 or 14. Braves came in kicking three out of four. Um, but the Dodgers bullpen has improved. Starting pitching's improved. Their lineup's gone to shit. They have the greatest one-two in the history of baseball. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, they're awesome. They've been hitting Will Smith three all year, and he was on fire in the first half. I mean, he hit near 20 home runs. He was batting like 280. It was great. He was driving in runs like crazy. He's cold. I mean, he's cold as a mother-in-law's ex, you know, to an ex-husband. I mean, just horrible cold. And um, Max Muncie, who we refer to as Fat Boy at our house now, <laughs> you see, and I'm fat, but I'm Max Muncy. I mean, come on, brother man. Maybe mixing some different kind of tacos. I don't know what it is, but uh, Max Muncy is still batting under 200. Now he hits home runs that are getting them out of the ballpark, but that's giving them some run production. But after that, the pieces the Dodgers went and got, Kike Hernandez and David Peralta, it seemed like they all came in and played really well for two weeks. And now they're all just hitting like shit. 
Kike's been there for six years. Yeah. Well, Kike went to Boston, and he was good in Boston for two years. I, I don't sure care. I saw Kike Hernandez playing for the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Kike's been there four years, even yeah. if he left. Yeah. But we also need to know, and I, I did this as we were talking um prior to getting this ramped up is that the Dodgers, like so many teams, uh, whether it be professional baseball or football, like to sign contracts for um, people who commit domestic abuse. Yeah. And uh, Urias was arrested early yeah. this morning, um, being Monday morning, September 4th. Uh, and uh, Chapman is also was if I'm not sure that was a mistake I made earlier. No, he no the the two that they had was they had Trevor Bauer a couple of years ago. Oh, Trevor Bauer for yeah. sure. And Chapman they held on to for a while before they got all the baseball stuff done with him before they get the proper suspension. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chapman was on the Royals for a while. They're also on my yeah. Cubs for the 2016 um, World Series run, so I get it. And that was around the time yeah. his um, incident happened. But uh, I don't know. I have an issue with the Dodgers. One, just because I hate them, because they generally run into the Cubs yeah. in the playoffs, and the Cubs are making hell of a run post all-star break uh they are just on fire and i I just cannot sit there and listen to you say that the dodgers are a sleeping giant they They have the biggest payroll in baseball well and again the thing is is that they're like they were just kind of hanging in with everybody and then they just said, okay, fuck this. We are who we are. And you start blowing everybody away. They have a 14 game lead now in the division. And, and that's what I, that's really what, and the Braves do the same thing. They're at 15. I mean, it's, that's what I was talking about. The Dodgers was like, okay, wait a minute. They're not too far ahead of the Giants and the Diamondbacks and the Padres. And it was like, wait a minute. There's a regression to the mean. And then there's a, are you underperforming? And the Dodgers were underperforming. They've now come all the way back. Now, what I've noticed in the last three, last two, three weeks, they've snuck around a little bit of their lineup isn't as good as it was a month ago. JD Martinez is hurt. Um, They were getting production. Like they were, I mean, they were really juggling pieces and getting production out of people that were unbelievable. You know, we had that streak we were talking about. You and I were doing like the, the uh streak of yeah yeah the streak of Mookie Betts gets two bases in an RBI. Brady Freeman gets yep. two bases in an RBI. Well, the problem became nobody in the seven, eight, or nine positions were getting on base. Mookie Betts can't drive in any runs in the one spot if no one late in the in the in the batting order can get on later in the game. Right. So and in the couple of games he and he was carrying them for a month. Mookie Betts had outs. I mean, just an incredible August. Uh, now he's played himself to where he's just behind Acuna for the MVP right now in consideration. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to see how that plays out. I got. I'll. I'll say what I'm going to say about that in a minute. But uh, 
because I have a line where I'm going to vote on this. But um, the Braves showed that they have a lineup one through nine. That the back of their lineup can get on base and can drive in runs, and they're going to be really hard to beat. And the, the Dodgers pitching staff's better, but Jose Urias getting arrested for domestic uh, domestic issue is going to take him out. Yep. The Dodgers are going to have to get Walker Bueller back. He'll be eligible, I think, on the 15th, I heard. He did a rehab start yesterday. Um, if they can get Walker Bueller back, maybe he takes that spot, but you can't guarantee he'll be at the same level he was a year and a half ago before Tommy John surgery. Sure. We, and... met him, we liked him. We met him at, a, at an event a couple of years ago. He has the coolest Twitter handle. It's Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> yeah. That is pretty great. Yeah. So um, so I want to see what happens there. I do think that if I was going to bet on this now, I think the Braves are my favorite in the, in, the, in the NL now. I think it's hard to argue. I think the team has come up is your Chicago Cubs, though. Your Cubs, Cubs are fully in. They're fully in. They're not losing one of those three playoffs, those three wild card spots. No, they look great. In. And I will say, seeing the Braves in person this week, they were solid yeah. at every position, and yeah. they didn't care, and they were chasing things down. Their pitching staff looks solid. Again, it's against the Rockies, so it's always questionable. Yeah. But I look forward to the Cubs coming into town yeah. um, next yeah. week, not this week, and I will be at least one game um, and see how they shake out in person. Did you go to the game when Akuna, the guy ran on the field, Doug? Uh, I was not there. So okay. that was Monday night's game. I was at Wednesday's game. But I talked to some folks who were sitting next to me. They come up from uh, Lawton, Oklahoma. Our guy was serving at the base there. And a uh, huge Braves fan just couldn't afford going out to Atlanta. And he said it was pretty wild watching the guys come out from right field yeah. off the first baseline um, and trying to take <laughs> Cunha down just to get a selfie. They weren't even trying to take him down. They were just trying to get a selfie. Like one of them ended up hugging him and like wouldn't yeah. let go when the cops. No. And that's what it was, is that he wanted a selfie and then his buddy followed him. Yeah. I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty cool area that they've continued to develop around Coors Field, but I'm not sure what uh, you have to do to make you think that jumping over um, a major league baseball outfield wall and running on to an outfield to get a selfie with someone who doesn't know you. Mm -hmm. So here's my thought on that real quick. Who's more to Who's the the bigger moron? The guy who runs out with the camera or the guy who follows? Oh, it is the dude who follows yeah. a thousand percent because you know you're getting tagged in this. Yeah. I just unbelievably went to make a twist. Remember back in the day, you're all to remember this. Do you remember Morgana, the kissing bandit? Yes. You know, the, the woman with the uh, extra large, um, well, just right. big, the big test. Uh, who would run on the field for baseball games and famously uh, kissed George Brett and yep. Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan actually went to a knee 
on the mound when she came running. Have <laughs> uh, you ever seen that? It's a great highlight. I have not. Go to YouTube. It's great. I'm sure it's there somewhere. Uh, when she ran out in the field, this is like in the early 80s, folks. This woman with a large, large, I mean, extra large up top would run on the field and go. You can say like, breasts. Breasts? Yeah, breasts. What are you going to say? Yeah, we can say. So boobs. She'd run out, boobs. Yeah. So she'd run out. And I don't mean like natural. I mean like basketball sizes. And so she'd run out. And and, and it was multiple. This was, I mean, I, I don't know how many times, at least a half a dozen or so that I can recall. But the one I always remember is Nolan Rock because he huh. literally went down to a knee. I was like, that's my man right there. Nolan Ryan knew what was up. But the Aquila thing is like disconcerting. Like, yeah, the guy was trying, and he seemed pretty harmless when he gets there. But they all seem harmless. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know that. And like, what's to say that someone doesn't have a knife or doesn't, well, you know, isn't there to assault you? And that happened in Chicago a couple of years ago with the White Sox game. Well, and even if you look at, I believe it was the U.S. Open, which I have on my TV right now. Um, God, I'm forgetting the female superstar who was um, really stabbed. Monica Sellis. Who was Sellis, stabbed. right? Mm-hmm. So. Dude, in the back. Yeah, yeah. Totally stabbed in the back. But I've seen these guys at Coors Field who are ball boys and girls they are trained for this shit and so to have somebody be far more excessive than just totally drunk and talking over everyone and being obnoxious jump the rail and come on to the field i can't that has to be just as scary for them as it is for because the bullpen is you know out in the outfield and they can see this so all the bullpen guys are seeing this you've got the players seeing this security doesn't know what the fuck they're doing because they have a protocol but they haven't had to actually engage their protocol it it had to have been crazy monday night yeah i don't i I just saw the highlight later, and I was like, oh, my God. I just could not mm-hmm. believe that happened. And, and it could have seemed like he was in good spirits about it. He took it better than I would have. Like, the first thing I would have thought of is, this is my first time to kill him. And evidently, they were Rockies fans. Yeah. So I I thought Akuna handled himself extremely well. Especially as someone, I mean, it, it's a culture thing. I don't, I don't really care for that. I don't run on the field like that. But the baseball thing, let's go back to the on the field for a minute here, because I do want to give you your, your 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 flowers here on your Chicago Cubs. Cody Bellinger has carried this team. He has been That's awesome beautiful. in the past month and a half. Comeback uh, player of the year, baby. And he is going to get a huge contract in the offseason. And I the one year deal with the Cubs. He knew what he was doing. I he hope was, that that one year that whatever deal he signs is with the Cubs. I hope it is too. I hope he stays with the Cubs. I hope they're making the franchise. I, I think that's gonna happen too. They need him. Um he's been a really great one year deal and a pickup, and then he's carried him. And they're 10 games above 500. They're three and a half up right now on yep. a group of three, uh with one more half a game back with the Giants now losing the day. Um, 
I don't think the Cubs are going to lose this spot. I think that I mean, you got the Marlins, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, and the Giants all battling for the one last spot. I do think the Cubs are three and a half up with 20 to go, 25 to go. It, it's is it doable, but you really got to slip up from here. The Cubs are chasing down the Brewers right now. Yeah. And, and well, they, that's they, that's going to be the combination or a confluence of yeah. Excuse me. Now the it's Cubs are three back with the Brewers for the division lead. So it's the same yeah. kind of thing. If if they can track the Brewers down, they get that home field for that first series is not. Yep. If not, then just don't let the set team track you down from the same distance. So it's like it's like it's like racing the freeze. You know, you're just gonna we're gonna catch you don't want to worry about catching the freeze, don't let him catch you. So you know who the freeze is? Uh I'm just thinking. I'm thinking of Hugh Freeze, so... Oh, the, the Braves games, the Freeze. No. Oh, my God. So the 17th stretch um, in Atlanta, they have a guy named the Freeze. And he's a... Oh, the dude in the he outfield. He runs the outfield, yes. Yeah, so I don't remember how long the person gets, but you race the Freeze. Uh, you start running. It's several it, seconds. Yeah, I think it's like 10 seconds. And the Freeze takes off. And you got to run around the warning track. Yep. And he's been beaten, but he's only been beaten like once or twice. I know he's beaten once. Um, but the yeah, the, the Cubs right now are the freeze. They got. I will chance. say they just don't leave anybody behind them to catch it. Yeah, we we noted before we got on, um, or we took a small break, but uh, the Cubs were finishing up their game, and in the seventh inning. Jimmy Buffett, R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, they showed him doing the seventh inning stretch yeah. at Wrigley, which he was, I think, the first primary performer that they had there before they started doing concerts at Wrigley. Like he was the dude, and Pearl Jam is coming up this week. So, uh, R.I.P. Jimmy, and to the dude. Smash Mouth, because you know about that dude with Smash Mouth. That which one? The lead singer the that passed away from liver failure. Oh, I didn't know that. This is the first time hearing of that. Yeah, passed away. I know stick. a guy who looks just like him. <laughs> just fucking like him. Uh, you know what our, I'm talking about too. That's funny. Uh, yeah, no, I had seen a couple of days ago that he was in poor health, and this morning woke up seeing that he had passed likely from liver failure um but yeah all-star is just kind of a an anthem for most people so yeah let me know it passes but the cubs it, it's interesting to see what happens there um the other side so now we got the, where we see where we're at with the american national league and where, where yep. we're thinking things are going to line up american league the baltimore orioles are running away with this thing uh, the East has spread out. We thought that all five teams might be in contention at some point. I do like this line. Get ready for it. My favorite, one of my favorite lines of sports. Okay. The last place New York Yankees. How amazing is that? Last place New York Yankees. Last in the East. Um, they are currently 68 and 69. Um they brought. They are going to make some big change. They just brought up a whole bunch of their kids with the roster expanding. 
They brought up their number one kid, Jason Dominguez, who hit a home run in his first at-bat. They call him the Martian, by the way, if you haven't seen him play yet. Okay. He's going to be – Jason Dominguez should – he's the one that they were not willing to part with in a trade for Otani. Like, if it had been me, I'd have given you Dominguez tomorrow. But take him. It always works to get the bigger – to get the, bigger, the better player now. It always works. I mean, I can only think of one or two where it didn't. And as a Red Sox fan, I'm still mad. Yeah. Mad. Uh, speaking of the Red Sox, they've fallen clear out of the wild card. There's no chance in the wild card, uh, despite what you'll see on Red Sox fan pages. Uh, yeah. they, they're still in it, five and a half back. Uh, no, that dog don't hunt, as they say in, in the South. They are yeah. out. Um, too inconsistent in August. Just not good. Inconsistent in August. And I mean, they're they're fourth in the AL East. Toronto's the team that again early in the year we saw Tampa and Toronto, and now Toronto has played themselves clear out of the playoffs. They're now a game and a half back of the two teams at the bottom, the Houston Astros, and a team that a month ago I said was my, one of my favorite teams to watch in the American League, the Rangers. The Rangers forgot how to score runs, apparently. I guess it was too hot. I don't know what. Well, they have an indoor stadium now. Um, but the Rangers apparently forgot how to score runs. And earlier in the year, they were the team that they could be down 4-2 in the eighth. They were going to figure out a way in the eighth and ninth to score three runs. And they just aren't doing that. The Rays, who were the team that was just killing everybody, won 18 of their first 20. Yeah. It's now a wild card team. And they're six and a half smooth of everybody else. They're they're a wild card team. They're not going to catch the Orioles. Yeah, they're solid. But, but not playing nearly as well since the All-Star break. I mean, and now they've got all this stuff hanging over their head with Wander Franco, which we haven't talked at all about on here. No. Um, and I don't want to get all into Wander Franco right now. We'll talk about it later because that's just not good at all. What all's going on with him? And the Rays have totally handled this the right way. You know, get him out of here, and we'll figure it out later on the contract. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know, there's an issue with him and the possibility of a young woman, mm-hmm. an underage young woman. The, Multiple, know, I think. I, I know of one, and there's possibly two. So. Um, but yeah, so it's gonna be interesting that the Rangers and the Astros, the two teams that were at different times of the year kind of dominant in the West, sure. are falling back out. The Angels fell all apart. You know, they hang on to Otani and then just fall all apart. Otani gets hurt, can't pitch now, rest of the season. They've fallen, they're 12 and a half out of the wild card now. And yet Otani is still hitting. Yeah. I we talked about that on our last pod. I was like, yeah. no chance I'd be getting if I was him. I'd be getting my surgery done. Um can't believe that. So the West, I would not have called this. Out of nowhere, the Seattle Mariners won 22 games in August. You want to know who one of my uh preseason bets to win it all was on? Who? Mariners. Well, 
I have a $5 bet on the Mariners winning the World Series. I also have a $5 bet on the Royals winning the World Series. You told me the Royals. The Royals was wasted money. I also have a $5 bet on the Cubs winning the World Series. But Seattle, I feel good about this. Yeah. I had the Orioles winning 90 games, which they're going to get. So I'll be happy there. And that's they make the playoffs. So that was a good one. Uh, Seattle, unbelievably. So I think even they thought they were done. Uh, if they tried to trade deadline, when they yeah. traded their closer, they sent Paul Seawall over their closer to Arizona. And then they got hot. And then in August, again, they won 22 games in August, which is unheard of. I mean, they went like 22 and four, something ridiculous like that. And now here they are. They are uh, 77 of 59. They have a one-game lead over the Rangers and the Astros, so it's not like they're way ahead, but they came from way behind here. They were the team that was in fourth yeah. a month ago. Had this awesome month, passed the Angels, passed the Astros, passed the Rangers. And now here we go. We're going to get into September now. And September baseball, you know, it's it's weird. It if, is. If people don't know what I'm talking about. September baseball is weird now because you've got – the team's in contention. And so that's your, all your division leaders. And everybody who's a wild card team or within, let me see here, within a game or two. So like the wild card, throw the Jays in there. The Red Sox at five and a half back on the chance. In the National League, got three wild card teams, and you got three of them within a game. That's the Giants, Reds, Marlins. So you've got in that case, three, four, five, six. You got ten teams nationally playing good ball. You've got six, seven teams playing ball in the American League. Those are the only seventeen teams that care about winning games for the rest of this month. Yep. The other thirteen teams are all going to fill their rosters. Well, everybody's filled their rosters with rookies now. You yeah, because the, the rosters have expanded. On September one, everyone brings up all their rookies. And so those other 13 teams are going to play those rookies. And they're going to play them a lot. Like I yep. said, the Yankees are playing Dominguez pretty much every game now. Um, does it kind of get service time for those guys? So even their top rookies, they bring them up. This is what they do. I'm interested to see what happens here because now it's a matter of who you play. And does anybody want to play spoiler? or? You know, who's caught, I haven't looked at it, but who's caught playing the rest of their season is last last month against all good teams. You know, so I will say just from a local perspective that the Rockies are kind of stuck in that. Um I know, let's see. So they've got the Cubs coming up 11th, 12th, and 13th of September. Then they have the Giants who are fighting for wild card. Then they have the Dodgers. Then they have the Twins to close out the season. Yeah, I got the Rocky schedule up here. So they, every team they play from here on out is in contention still, except for the Padres. Yeah, uh, 
They don't play the Padres. They play the Giants. They get the, they get the Padres the 18th, 19th, and 20th in San Diego. Oh, they're in. Yeah, I was just strictly looking at the home yeah. schedule. So, but think of it as this. When you've got so about those, but think about the flip side. So, like, the Cubs, I'm looking at this, the Cubs have six games against the Rockies. The Rockies have the worst record in the National League. That six games, the Cubs better win five of them. You'd hope to win six. But if you win five, that's six games you're playing there against a lower-level team. What about, you know, and I don't know, and again, I don't know who is like this, but someone is going to have to battle through playing all or mostly all good teams you're yeah. on out. Let me look at a couple of these real quick. I mean, hell, I'm not sure if Chris Bryant has been iced for the entire season, but should, not that he should, come back for the last three weeks of the season. What the fuck is he going to do? Yeah. So I'm looking at the Dodgers. The Dodgers schedule. The Dodgers yeah. have, they're at Miami, who's battling in the playoffs. Washington, San Diego, again, they're out. Three at Seattle, three against Detroit. They have seven games against the Giants. That's rough. And four against the against the Rockies. Um, but let me see. Let me get another example here. The Giants are one of those playoff, one of those wildcard teams. And they've got see, they're one of these teams. Look at this. They have the Cubs next couple days. This is the Giants. Yep. They have the Rockies for three. Cleveland for three. Again, a team that's not battling for a playoff spot. Four against the Rockies. Two against the Diamondbacks. Seven with the Dodgers. Three with the, with the Padres. So a lot of interdivision stuff still there. If the division hurts them. But there's someone taking advantage of this. My guess is that it's the Cubs and the yes. Blue- yeah, I'm going to see the Brewers schedule real quick. But that's where you look and you go, okay, wait a minute. The teams that are in the division where the rest of the division is weak because you're playing a lot of divisional games in September. Um, You know, the Cubs trying to catch the Brewers from a few out. Now, the Brewers have got – We've got the Giants Pittsburgh. through Wednesday. Yeah, well, we got Pittsburgh, the, the Yankees, four against the Marlins. That's a good team. Washington, St. Louis, three more against Miami, the Cardinals, and then three against the Cubs at the end of the season. So the Brewers are the one team. Oh, Brewers. The Brewers are looking at this going, okay, well, we want to hold off the Cubs. They've got a schedule that will help them. Whereas the Cubs have the Giants. A more difficult schedule, yeah. Wednesday. The Cubs are trying to get it close yeah. and get to those last three games. If the Cubs can be within two games with three to go and take that series, that's what's going to come down to. You know, that that's the kind of thing I'm looking at now. I'm looking at some of these. You know what's insane, though, is the Cubs having, I presume, a makeup game against the Braves in Atlanta on September 26th. <laughs> yeah, it must be a rain out makeup. Yeah. Or snow out or something, but. Yeah. That is wild. I want to look at one more real quick. This is the Mariners schedule at the end here. Because the Mariners, again, they're trying to hold off both the Rangers and the Astros. 
the Mariners have three with the Reds, four in Tampa. They then have the Angels for three, the Dodgers for three, Oakland for three. Wow. The endlessness shit. And they're, again, they're holding off the Rangers and the Astros, right? Yeah. The last 10 games from the Mariners, the Rangers and the Astros. Oh, shit. Seven against the Rangers, three against the Astros. That's tough. They better, the Mariners better clean up against Cincinnati this week. They better do some work when Tampa next weekend and that, that uh, Angels series. And then try to steal a game or two from the Dodgers when the Dodgers come to them. Uh, but you do have Oakland. They do have Oakland. That's, that should be three wins. <laughs> I mean, Oakland got the worst record in baseball. And they, are, you know, are you still betting Fallon against the, the A's? Um, no. The way, the way you work the bets on that right now is – see, now you can't – because, again, the roster call, it's all different now with that too. Now what you got to take into account is that piece – the issue with the A's is the A's will steal a game from you if you're not good. Yeah. So I can't – now the way I would bet it, I'll do it with the Royals too. I would bet – I'd fade the Royals and the A's against teams in the playoff race. Okay. So for – let me pull the Royals schedule real quick. Um, again, I'm just looking at the schedule. And, again, this is just my – there's going to be different days, different pitching matchups and whatnot. So the Royals have got a couple more at the White Sox. They go to Toronto for three. Toronto needs those games. Then they go back in the Royals, go back to Chicago, play the White Sox. Houston comes to comes to Kansas City. Those are three games I'd bet on Houston. Those would be three automatic bets for me. Um, I won't take the Toronto one. Well. Because I'm looking at the pitching matchups, I think I would. Yeah, definitely. Saturday night, you got Toronto's at home against the Royals. It's uh, Zach Greinke versus um, against Ryan against Ryan Gosman. Gosman's going to uh, pitch the gem that day. Barrios the next day. Yeah, but then again, you don't want to fade the Royals against Cleveland because Cleveland's not like trying. Three more at Houston. Again, kind of like Houston again. Detroit and the Yankees come in for the last three. What are the Yankees going to be? They're going to play people. They're going to be all young guys playing that game that series. Yeah. Yeah. You may not see Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge that weekend. Why would you? Well, I don't think they're going to play Stanton as little. They're going to play Stanton as little as possible right now. Well, I He's mean, that's the thing. At this but, point in the season, why? Yeah. As an organization, John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, if there's shit that needs to be taken care of physically, surgically, go ahead and knock it out, right? Well, I think Stanton is a performance thing. I don't think he's hurt. They think he can't hit it. He can't hit it because it's not a fastball anymore. Um, and then with Judge, I think it's just a matter of resting. Yeah. The last three games of the season, yeah, I I would be surprised. If, like I said, I'd be surprised that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you saw Judge in all three games. So, if you're a Yankee fan, well, fuck you if you're a Yankee fan. <laughs> um, I can say that. I'm a Red Sox fan. Fuck them. Uh, Red Sox won today. 
So good for us. Congrats. Cool. I did not get to go to any of the three Red Sox Royals games this weekend. This past weekend, uh, decided to go to the KU tailgates that on Friday, sick on Saturday. And then Sunday, I could have dragged myself to it if I wanted to, but I wanted to get home and watch the LSU game. I wish I'd gone to the Red Sox game now. Fair. But I saved the money, I guess. That's one way to look at it. There you go. So, hey, let's uh, let's wrap it up from there. So, a lot going on in all of sports, college football. We're going to have a football preview. NFL starts this week. We got, I will ask you, uh, Thursday night, Chiefs at home. They get to put the banner out, all the pop and circumstance. They'll be on NBC. The Detroit Lions are coming in. Any thoughts on this game coming up? I know you'll be rooting hard for your Chiefs. I will be. I will I will be rooting hard for the Chiefs. I have zero concern about the game. Still curious as to the Chris Jones negotiations, yeah. as many folks are. But from an overall team standpoint, it'll be good. Yeah. Should be a lot of fun. I think the thing I'm looking at is what happens with the Chris Jones piece. That is going to be interesting. Um, I have a little thing about that. I'll talk about it in a second. I will say what I said in a minute about that. But the game itself, I think this game's closer than most folks think. Fair. Um, I think the Lions are going to come in. I think the Lions' biggest problem is, is the quarterback good enough to win them some games at times? Uh, they're going to come in with a good defense. They're going to come in with a run game. They got a couple of guys that will create matchup problems with the Chiefs. I think this is a really close game until the end. And I can see it on a spread I last saw via our great sponsor, DraftKings. Let's pull this up right now on my DraftKings app. But right now, when you use our promo code, you can get $100 in free, um, in free bets. The Chiefs are currently six and a half point favorites. All right, so a touchdown favorite. A touchdown, essentially, one way or the other. I can see this game being really close the whole way. And then a Lions mistake or just 15 is 15 and Mahomes throws an extra touchdown pass at you and gets you late in the game. A What was a back-and-forth, lower-scoring back-and-forth game that was, you know, four, five, six points ends up being – 12 or 13 at the end because Mahomes throws an extra touchdown after the line. The Lions will have to play a perfect game if they're going to have a chance. Absolutely. Not turn the ball over, not do stupid stuff like, you know, go for it on fourth down twice inside the five and not get a touchdown either time. Um, LSU, I'm looking at you. LSU callback. I'm just telling you right now. I didn't disagree with either of them on the Brian Kelly thing, by the way. Didn't disagree with either of them. But both play calls were horrible play calls. Horrible. Especially the second one. Like the I was first one was real rough. The second one was horrible. But the play call itself was a terrible play call. They were both pretty bad. It I think my son said it best. Peyton said, if it's fourth and one and you're going for it against Florida State, you think you're the better team if you're doing that, you better be able to get one yard. There's just no reason you can't run for one yard. If you think you're the better team against a high-quality team, 
So, but um, I do think that what you'll see in that game is that they, the Lions cannot turn the ball over on deck. They cannot afford to make it, have it fumbles or any, any interceptions. They're this going to have to force one. It's going to be three touchdown difference for the Chiefs. See, I, I can see the Chiefs late pulling away in the last three or four minutes and it being a two-score game. I don't see them putting it on the lines. I just don't. That Lions team's going to be good. It, it would take the Chiefs scoring – 35-plus points, which they're not going to do, not this week. So I don't know. I, but I'm not I'm not as confident in taking the six-and-a-half either. I'd feel better between the Chiefs and the money line and giving up odds than I would taking the Chiefs and laying six-and-a-half or the Lions plus six-and-a-half. No, I, w- I would honestly feel comfortable – Giving, just putting 21 on the Chiefs and being good with it. What you and I talk offline about that, I got an idea for a bit. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Hey, before we get out of here, we want to thank our sponsor, it is DraftKings, um, for coming in. (coughs) Pardon me, into that cold. I want to thank DraftKings. Remember, click on the link in our show notes. And you'll get a hundred dollars in free bets when you get on DraftKings. So thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring us, taking good care of us. We'll help you take good care of you. Get in there, all your fun stuff at the beginning of NFL season. It's here. So we're gonna bet on the Chiefs, get it done on DraftKings. Um remember if you're using DraftKings to um or any gambling site, remember bet what you can bet. Don't bet with your head, not above it. All that good stuff. Uh, you call the one eight hundred gambler. Yep. And remember, call one eight hundred gambler if you have a problem and need help. They'll help you with that. So again, uh, E, thanks for coming in today. Appreciate it. Appreciate you taking a little time in the middle there. We had to take a little break. We had to move, and so a little uh, adjustment, if you will. Uh, Always. We'll have a little fun. We'll be back next week. I'll have Uncle Rico will be in later this week, probably a Friday or Saturday pod with a full NFL preview. Uh, before After that, we want to thank everybody, Tyler Jones, everybody at the Studio Stopbox for all they do behind the scenes. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate every five-star review. So until next time, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor, and I'm Phil Have a great week. Remember your time tokens and have a fun. Take care.